want to talk to you about Psalm 91.8. Never preached on that verse. Went and looked it up in my database. I have a database of some 1,700 different sermons I've done since 1980 or so. And uh, computer database. Can look those up five different directions. Sometimes I may preach on the same verse, but another, another thought, another truth, another principle. It's like a 52-faceted diamond. I think a diamond typically has 52 facets. And a diamond doesn't have two facets, three facets. It's one diamond, but it has 52 facets. And that makes you look at it from different ways and explain And I think the Word of God's that way. I think you look at a passage and there's you see one-sided, that's one facet and another facet and another facet. And you keep looking at it, it keeps getting bigger and brighter and wonderful. It, it's, it is what it is. It is a diamond, but it has 52 facets. I hope I'm right on that number, maybe 51. If I'm wrong, you forgive me, but I'm close. There's a sales program in this world that's trying very, very hard to sell us a bill of goods. You, you see it. You cannot turn any media on without their sales program hitting you. Early in life, it starts. They start early. They start with toys, TV, technology. At a later on, they begin to uh, add on to those things the testimonies of people that supposedly succeeded with the world's program. They're lined up and paraded before us over and over again. Uh, they'll, say, they'll say before us, look what we have. Look at what we are enjoying. Uh, look at how much fun we're having. I think of the old Marlboro commercials. I smoked cigarettes for about three years and uh, a couple packs a day or so. And I put, smoked Marlboro. And how many other Marlboro folks do we have in here? Do we have any other Marlboro folks? Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. That's a demon you call in your life. My wife smoked, my girlfriend smoked Winston. Winston tastes good like a cigarette should. I remember that. <laughs> I'm talking about sales program here. I'm saying they started young. It got in. I still, Winston tastes good like a cigarette should. I mean, I still got it. I could do the commercial for him. And they always showed a real healthy person, a real young, muscular, healthy, epitome of life, essence of, of success. <sighs> yes. Oh, man, that. I hope I don't cause somebody to go back smoking this afternoon. But, but uh they, they, and they take that drag, they call it a drag. They take that drag and they go, oh. They thought that was so good. What you didn't see is when the Marlboro man was in the, was in the uh, cancer ward with a tube in his throat going, <gasps> with that, with that, with that uh, vibrator going, eh, how are you? Because they cut his larynx out of cancer. That's the devil's program. They would say, why not follow us? We, the world now says this, we are the champions. There was a song came out years ago. And if you went to a grocery store, if you went to a 7-Eleven, if you went anywhere, you heard it. A restaurant. They played it everywhere. Kids loved it. They had rock concerts. They all jumped around, go crazy. And I, I went and looked the words up. Here's what, the, here's what the first verse says, that we are the champions. We are the champions, my friends, and we'll keep fighting till the end. We are the champions. 
we are the champions. No time for losers because we are the champions of the world. Are they? How are they doing today? Are the movie stars of this world champions? Are the billionaires and super rich champions? Are the super beautiful, <clears throat> gorgeous people, are those the champions? Are the super intelligent, photographic memory folks the champions of this world? Well, you could say in a way they are with the world. Because Jesus let us in on something. The world loves its own. They do. There's no logical explanation why Michael Jackson was popular. There is no logical explanation why Michael Jackson was popular. I've heard people on TV say, Michael Jackson, he saved my life. Like, saved your life? Talk like a girl. Walk like a girl. Dress like a girl. That's why they said they used to call him Michelle Jackson. They didn't know whether that boy was a boy or a girl or he, she, or what. And he liked young boys. He was a pedophile. I saw it myself. He admitted it on English TV. The guy on English TV couldn't even believe he said it. He used to like Jake. To, so he was a pedophile. And yet, he was literally worshipped by the generation of the world. Okay? He was adored, sought after, admired, and affectionately loved. Nobody can deny that. When one of those folks, so-called champions of the world, die, look at the grief. The king is dead. The fuss, the vigils that they go through, the years, and I say years, of candle burning in front of their homes. I went to Elvis's house, I told you before, in front of the fence. It had been many years. He'd been dead a long time. And his, in Memphis there, his house is right on a main street, and there's a fence in the front, and there's still people were putting little memorabilia. I guess, I'm not quite, I guess you go to somebody's grave, you leave a little memorabilia, you know. And they do that at the Vietnam Wall. Vietnam Wall, they're constantly having memorabilia left at the, at the Vietnam Wall, and they pick that up and put it in a place over there. Same thing at Elvis's house. And we're talking like years and years after that old boy died at 42 years old with nine different drugs in his system. Uh, but they do it. The Vanderbilt Mansion, or the John, he was a champ. George Vanderbilt, a champion of this world. John Barnum, a champion of this world. Uh, William Hurst, a champion of this world, just went to his house. Uh, got to go all over his house. On and on, people that admire of this world, they admire the legacy of these people. But Christ and Christianity does not offer this world to you and to me. In fact, Christ offers you 
just the opposite of what they are offered. In fact, some of the statements of the Bible are, we are not to love this world. Another statement is, Jesus is not of this world. And you know that to be true. We are to hate our life in this world. We are to lose our lives in this world to gain the next. Uh, Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. We are not, the Bible says, to be conformed to this world. We are to become a fool according to this world. We are to carry, and by the way, it's clear, we will carry nothing out of this world. I think it was uh, David Gibbs said, you'll never see a U-Haul behind a hearst. God has chosen the poor of this world to be rich through the gospel. The fashion, the Bible says, of this world passeth away. We are told that all these things about the world, there have been plenty of warnings not to invest, in the Bible at least, too much into this world. Why? Because you're not going to get to keep it. Value is based on your ability to possess something eternally. That's the Bible value. Think about it this way. Everything you ever will accumulate in this world, you have to give it up. I've been at the bedside of a few folks through the years. The privilege of being there. And, and the one that, one that got me, and I've said it a few times here, one that got me the biggest was my dad when he was in hospice. Uh, he knew he was dying. You know, I don't believe in lying to people that are dying. Shame on people for holding back truth from people that are dying. I told my dad, your doctor says you got 10 days or less. I said, Marine, hit the beach. It's your last landing. We sang songs, hymns of Zion, the week he died. I was there every night. We sang the songs of Zion together. He didn't sing much, but we sang them to him. And I remember it impacted me big as a kid, and I'm his youngest. He gave me his wallet. Wow. No, the wallet was sacrosanct to my dad. You didn't touch his wallet. You touched his wallet, he was going to kill you. No, not really, but I mean, he was going to hurt you. And uh, he, he, he gave me his wallet and said, take care of your mother. I thought, this old boy, this old boy used to have snicker bars in the refrigerator with three boys, remember? He had three boys. He used to have snicker bars in the refrigerator with a black, he'd have black magic mark and put an X on them. He'd have, he'd have milk in the fridge and he'd put an X on that thing or Pepsi in the fridge and put an X on that. Why? If he didn't, he'd never see it. We'd eat everything, drink everything, and there wouldn't be, when he went for it, there wouldn't be anything left for him to eat or drink. And he knew it. So he said, you touch that black, they call it the black X. You know, the pirate got the black spot. My dad had the black X. You touch a, you touch a black X and you are going to, your life as you know it will be changed. If you saw that snicker bar in there and it got old and rotted and he had to throw it away, that was okay. But you didn't touch that black X. That old boy 
Didn't get to keep anything. People went through his clothes. You want this? No. You want this? No. Goodwill. I did that for six weeks. Went through his stuff. I can tell you, you're not going to keep anything this world has to offer you. Think about it. What you what you possess etern what do you possess eternally in this world? Your gain? No. Your education? No. Your reputation? No. You go you come naked in, naked out. Shortly forgotten. Oh, Collier named a county after him if he would put a road to Miami. He cut a deal with the state of Florida. If he'd cut a road to Miami, they'd, they'd, he could have a county. And so he got Collier County. I don't know who he was. He's just a name. Collier. Don't mean nothing. But he thought somehow he could leave his name. It's somehow the desire to propagate, the desire to have permanence. But there is no permanence here. That's the message of the Bible. The only permanence here is what you invest in the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, don't put your treasures up. You know all the verses where the thieves will come in, destroy, and rust will eventually come in. Hmm. Shortly forgotten. You know, in 100 years, nobody's going to remember Tom Gillespie. No. Probably take less than that. Nobody's going to remember me either. Uh, Barrows ain't going to live 100 years. No, I would bet money tonight Barrows is not going to live to 125. I'll be pretty good. And so you're not going to remember who I, nobody's going to remember, nobody in this room is going to remember me or you. I mean, we're going to be, and if you think somehow you're going to remember, you're the only person that you really should care that remembers you is God. You should care because God's the only one that's going to make a difference that he knows you and you know him. I've driven by many different graveyards, going through graveyards. It's one of my pastimes. And here's a verse that always comes to my mind, and it will be one of Barrow's verses. By the way, it was a good job tonight at Bar Barrow's. Good job. You keep at it, brother. Keep at it. Got 175 verses. 1 Corinthians one twenty says, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? When I go to a graveyard, I think about that. Out of all those graves, when we go by a little town sometimes, outside the little town's a graveyard. Do you know that's all the people that founded that town? Virginia, West Virginia, you go in places. I'll say, you see that graveyard, Kathy? She's real interested in graveyards, but uh, opposites attract. Um, I say, you see that graveyard, Kathy? Those are the people that cut the trees down, got the stumps out, and they did it with horses and mules, and they took them rocks out of the field, made those walls, and did the foundation on those barns. Those rocks you see, they had to hand carry out of there, drag out of them field, clear this area, plant this area, and make this thing livable. Those are the people that did it right now. You get graveyard over there. <clears throat> but they're not there. Where's the wise? They're gone. Where's the scribe? He's gone. Where's a, where's a disputer of this age? That's, a, that's the William Buckley's. 
Where's the disputers of this? Say they're gone. I bet some of you don't even know who William Buckley is. Let me ask. Not Troy, you're too old. Let's see him ask uh, Caitlin Sweat. Do you know William Buckley, who he was, Caitlin? That's good. See what I mean, how quick that is? Now, some of you older people, like Troy knows William Buckley. Anyway. Probably thinks he's a neighbor down the street, but nevertheless. <laughs> he was so cocky. William Buckley, he was so smart. He had a grip on all that information. He knew all this stuff. He don't now. Where's the disputer of the sage? They're gone. In our text, God is giving us a heads up. You say, you haven't read, read the text yet, Bill. I know that. But we're going to read it. Psalm 91.8. He gives us those who choose him a heads up. Those who forsake pursuing their own lives. Those who reject the sales pitch of this old world. If I may say it this way, those who get it. Those who are all the way in. Oh, I love that. Psalm 91.8 says this. Only with thine eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Who are these wicked? They're those who forsake God. Those who are agnostic. Those who believe there's, a, there's many ways to heaven. Those who in, in some way or another deny God, twist God, change God into their own image and thought patterns, have invented a religion of their own. Those who miss Jesus as God's son. Joshua challenged God's people to stick with the Lord in this world. He says, if you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after you've done you good. Ezra challenged God's people in Ezra 8.22. He said, the hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him, but his power and his wrath is against all them that forsake him. God's people are promised something in our text that we literally will see, if you'll stick with Jesus, you'll see the reward of the wicked. It's interesting, his memory verse there in 2 Thessalonians. Ye that are troubled, rest with us. You ever get trouble at the success of the wicked? You ever get trouble at the election of Obama? You ever get trouble at the election and promotion of evil people who want to abort children and kill them before they even get a chance to be born? You that are troubled, rest with us. Because there's coming a day when Jesus is going to settle all that. And your eyes shall see it. Job, the oldest book in the Bible probably written, possibly, and it's, it's debated about this, but I think it was written before the flood. <clears throat> he said, in my flesh shall I see God. Believe in the resurrection. Somehow, he understood it. Well, why is this important? Why is that verse important, 91.8? Why is it there? Because it often looks like this world's winning. Often in this world, God's children live hard, suffer hard, and die hard. I had a brother, I won't mention his name, but a brother in his church came to me and he says, I don't understand it, Bill. What do you mean? What don't you understand? He said, I don't understand 
why people that live for God, love God, serve God, have to die such hard, long deaths. I said, number one, I can't explain that to you. But I can explain as soon as they cross over, that's not what they're thinking about. As soon as you cross over to the other side, have you ever gotten a really bad spanking? You know, some of you missed out on life. You get a good whipping. Nick, did you ever get a good old-fashioned whipping? No, not much. One time's that it? Poor soul. I feel bad for you. My dad did to me like once a week. And, and uh, my teacher at school whipped me too. And the principal whipped me. And, 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 and I'm going to tell you, my dad would say, okay, he'd make an ordeal. Every time we went to church, I'd behave. I was so mischievous. He'd go like this. That meant one swat. I mean, this would be in the pew. He'd go like that. And I'd go. And I'd get misbehaving. He'd go. And pretty soon, I wouldn't be happy until I got five. Five was the limit. It's like 39, 40 minus one. Five. And he'd go five. And I knew, oh, five, five. Five of his brother who lights you up. And I mean, I'd, I'd be going, all of a sudden, you know, on the way home, I'm real sober. I'm sober because the hard time's coming. Hard times are coming. Bad things are going to happen. We'd have a little hassock, a little round thing you put your feet on, about that high. He'd say, get over the hassock. I'd get over the hassock. He'd say, now, son, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. I, I wanted to say, Dad, it's a sin to lie, but that would have made six. You know, I was like, eh, I better not say anything. I want to say something. Well, let me whip you and see how it is. But I didn't. And he would start on what me. He said, I know, I'm sorry, son, but you go, you are not to act up in church. <clears throat> I've seen Christians live hard, suffer hard, and die hard, brother. I've seen Christians in this world were mocked. Were considered fools, ignorant, codependent, dysfunctional, were thought to be somehow mentally weak, that we have to have a God. And sometimes in this old world, many times this world, it doesn't look like Christians receive much reward for their service for God. They serve their whole life, give their whole life, often die in poverty. Seen it over and over. It is a righteous thing that God would eventually show us the reward of the wicked. It's a righteous thing. I know it's righteous because God said it's going to happen. I'm not saying that. It's a righteous thing that God show us the reward of the wicked. I somehow think we're going to be there to great white throne judgment. I think we're going to be there. You and your very eyes will see it. When it's all said and done, you see the reward of the wicked. There'll be no suffering here that will matter. You will not think you were shorted anything. You will rejoice all the more that God, that you have believed God and, and God listened to you. 
and that you've trusted in Jesus and that your sins have been made white as snow and cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. In some, way, in some ways, he lets us see it while we are still here. I can tell you that I have seen the reward of the wicked from this side. I told you Elvis died at 42. Go through the list of people. Jim Morrison, 27. Jimi Hendrix, 27. So these people that were worshipped as gods, given everything the world can laud upon them. I've seen them die miserable, be miserable. Michael Jackson was taking a drug that they used to put you sleep on the uh, surgical table because he could not sleep. Why? Because God takes away their, their ability to sleep because they've defiled themselves. And brother, if you defile your conscience, you won't be able to sleep either. And that's not the only reason you don't get to sleep. Sometimes sleep is taken from you to help, help you know who you are. I know what it is not to have sleep. In some ways, he lets you see that. You see the reward of the wicked, at least the loss of all they, that these wicked people work for. I remember the death of Steve Jobs. I happened to use a phone he helped invent. I have a computer. I, I like Apple computers. I like uh, Apple phones. They work good. They're reliable. Their service is on next to none. Steve Jobs got sick in his 50s. He owned. He sat on the top of that baby. He sat on the top of that corporation. Worth Hundreds of millions, maybe billions. I don't even know what he was worth. And as much as he could pay for the best medical attention there's possibly out there, go to the best medical doctor, pay what him, pay him anything they wanted. He got sick and he died. Yeah. Robin Williams, comedian. Doesn't that strike you? That these comedians are miserable? Does it not strike you that these people who make people laugh and are good at it oftentimes are some of the most miserable lot on the face of the earth? I mean, Robin Williams hung himself. That's not quick. It's not like driving a Harley into a wall. I don't want to give you no ideas. But it's not like driving a Harley into a bridge or, or driving a Harley into a semi. Or jumping in front of a semi. He hung himself. I've seen the reward of the wicked. Who remembers the great people of the 18th century? Charlie Gilbert. Where you at, buddy? Out in the hallway? Charlie, probably the only one I know that remembers the great people of the 18th century. He probably does. But I bet he doesn't remember the great people of the 17th century. Or how about the great people of the 14th century? How about the great people of the 12th century? How about the great people of the 8th century? you got to be real, real good. And by the way, if you got that kind of history under your belt, you don't remember too many people in that 100-year period, do you? That's because God's made you to see the brevity of life. Where are those folks buried? Where are their graves? I got thinking about this. 
all these graves we have all over the United States. If remember, uh, they had a scenario. A book was written about the Russians coming in the Mississippi River and taking the United States over, and then you know taking the United States over. Let's just say a foreign country came in the United States and took us over. What do you think they'd do with those graveyards? They don't care a lick about those graveyards. They plow them babies off and plant some food, or they, they don't care about your relatives, your ancestors. Just because you get buried in a graveyard with a tomb don't mean that's that's going to be there. Though, where are the graves of the 12th century? Where are the where are the most of the people that got buried in the eighth century? Where, where are those people that got buried in the 1600s? Most of them are totally gone, obscured. Even their markers are gone. Why? God wants it that way. He wants you to understand that this world is not your home. This place is not where you put all your marbles. Don't gather all your precious stuff up in this old world. Be otherworld-minded. <clears throat> now, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, but you've got to kick yourself and keep pinching yourself and keep making yourself think this way. Because I'll tell you, <clears throat> we see this stuff, we feel this stuff. It has, it, it wants to grab you. Hey, I'm with you. I got the same feelings you got. Nothing wrong with using these things for the glory of God. You do it, use them for the glory of God. But understand that you do not get to keep any of it. Trust Jesus, my brother and sister. Hold on to his words and, and make it a priority to do his will. Quietly, simply, faithfully, without recognition, in the path that he set for you. And I can guarantee you, based on Psalm 91.8, you will see. You will see. Just like those, some almost, I was talking to Beth McCollum, some almost 200 people have come and to Gospel Baptist now and died and gone to heaven. There's 200 empty seats, as it were, of people who once occupied seats here to Gospel. They're on the other side. And that great cloud of witnesses is testifying, live for Jesus, live for Jesus. Live for Jesus. I think back in 1980, V.L. Martin, I love the old boy. He was 69 years old. He was really an old man. He took me out golfing, and he'd always tell me, son, son, serve the local church. Serve God's people. Do. Be evangelistic. Have missions. Man, whatever you do, have a missions emphasis in your church. Get out there and get the word everywhere you can get it, every way you can get it. He's long gone. He went to heaven about a year after that. Been long gone all this year, but I gotta believe, I gotta believe he's rooting for us. Let's do it. Don't be discouraged by you say, you know, who knows what our future holds in the USA? Man, I don't 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 believe USA is all that secure. Oh, we're never gonna go to oh, don't say that. Don't say, you don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen, and God likes it that way. He wants you to trust him day by day. I like those songs that talk about trust, don't you? 
Trust him one moment at a time, day by day. It's a good life. And then your eyes shall see. When it's all shaken out, you're going to say it was good to live for God. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I think we'll spend millennium thanking Jesus. Thanking Jesus we got saved and we're his child. Father, help us tonight. Help us to get a clear vision. This world's got a sales pitch going on. This world's trying to sell us that their way is the best way. That uh, the glamour of this world, the sensualities of this world is the best way to live. It's not. It's not. Father, help us to have a right perspective of, of the eternal things. Uh, open our eyes, indeed, that we may see wondrous things out of thy law. There may be some here tonight that know not Jesus, their Savior. I don't know everybody. Maybe you don't know Christ, so here's the best place to find out about him. Maybe you've been meditating on giving your life to Christ. You've never at one time dedicated your life. I think every believer sometime in their life got to come to the place where they say, everything that I have, everything that I possess, everything that I will possess is yours, O oh God. I lay, it on the, I lay it on the altar and give it to you. I, I did it. In fact, I've done that a number of times through my life. I believe it's healthy for a Christian to rededicate. Dedicate and rededicate. Nothing wrong with that a bit. Lord Jesus, everything I am and do, everything I have, all the potential that may be here, I give to you. Direct me that I may glorify thy name and lift you up as in the time that I am here. Father, help us that that would be so. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, why don't you do it right now? It's simple, really. Here's a couple of Bible verses that will help you to understand. Probably the most well-known verse in all of Scripture is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That verse says, whosoever believeth. The whosoever is you, but the whosoever believes what? Number one, you need to understand that you are a sinner. God says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Number two, you need to understand that nothing that you can do, getting baptized, belonging to a church, going to a church, donating money, while all good things, they will not satisfy a just God. God says in Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to God's mercy he saved us. And number three, you need to understand that Jesus died for your sins. He was buried and resurrected the third day, and if you believe that, God promised in Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Your prayer of confession could go like this. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner unworthy of your mercy, but ask for your mercy and your forgiveness. I know I can't get to heaven on my own, but I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He was buried and resurrected the third day that I might be saved and have a new life. Save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you ask Jesus to save you, would you do me a favor? Let us know so that we can pray for you and rejoice with you. 
Our church phone is 239-947-1285. The website is www.gospelbaptistchurch.com or go to iTunes podcast at gospelbaptistchurch.com.